0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. And so the title of today's message is Playing With Fire. And my objective today is to convince you and me to stop playing with fire. So if you'll open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Um, If you have the Bible app, you can turn there. If you don't, you can just listen carefully. I'm going to start with verse 20, and we're going to be reading to the end of the chapter, but I'll be stopping here and there. We'll be talking about a few things. So let's look at verse 20 in chapter 6. My son... Keep your father's command, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you awake, they will speak to you. And so right here, uh, this this is the first point I wanna pull from this passage, is godly instruction can protect you. Godly instruction can protect you. We need to be reading the Word of God and just immersing ourselves in it and memorizing it, holding it into our heart. And so when temptation comes, bam, the Holy Spirit can use that passage to protect us. But also, this is a common motif throughout Proverbs here. King Solomon is speaking to his children, uh, specifically to his sons, but in ge- to his children and the next generation in general, And he's like, if you will just listen to my instruction and your mother's advice, it will protect you. Cling to it. It'll it'll be a path. It'll be a light unto your feet. Just make sure that you're not forgetting this godly instruction because it can protect you. And this has kind of been weighing on me a lot recently. Um, My oldest is about to go into high school, and he doesn't know it yet, but there's gonna be a sit-down conversation before he goes into high school, because I keep thinking about all the stupid things I did when I, when I was growing up, and I was like, I want to protect him from those things, and I, in my head, I've already, I already have a couple of things that I wanna sit him down. One is, I wanna sit him down and I'll be like, okay, when you start driving, and when you go around with your friends that can drive, this is gonna be the temptation. You're gonna start blaring that music, You're going to roll the windows down, and you guys are going to be jamming in there, and you're going to be dancing, and you're going to be distracted, and they're going to be going faster, faster, and you're going to be tempted to just do stupid stuff in that car, and then you're going to miss a curve, and then you guys are going to get in a fiery car accident and and bodily injury, all right? Uh, Don't do it. Or you're going to blow through a stoplight, you're going to get pulled over, you're going to get a heavy ticket, and I'm going to take your your car keys away for at least a month, all right? Do you understand me? Because it happens, it happens to all of us. I can think of all the stupid times me and my friends were driving around like curvy roads, just screaming at the top of our lungs. It's amazing that we're still alive today. Or I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna sit them down and be look. In high school, gonna be a lot of peer pressure. And in high school, you're gonna encounter there's gonna be kind of like the outcasts, the people that are not cool, the people that um, wear the same clothes all the time because they don't have a lot of money. And it's gonna be very tempting to go along with that crowd and make fun of them. But you need to know that Jesus came for the least of these. He came for the outcasts. We're supposed to be kind to everyone, so I don't want you to go along with that crowd. I want you to be stronger and better than that. Think how effective it is, is to be upfront and proactive with instruction. And this is not just a thing for parents to do, this is for anyone from the older generation who has experience, has had to learn the hard way. We have godly good advice to pass on. This is hugely influential in ministry work. So often we are guilty as churches of taking people and be like, what, you wanna volunteer? We'll throw you right into the wolves, right? Like we don't, there's very little training involved. We, We have a history of being bad at training people how to do ministry. And then, then we're surprised when people trip up or make mistakes or say things they shouldn't say. And so, hey, we sat them down and said, okay, th- you're gonna face situations this time and there's gonna be people that are wounded. They're gonna to come to you wounded and they're gonna say mean things that they don't really mean. This is how you need to handle it. We need to be proactive and share our good advice. We live in, in an information age and I think we've just kind of gotten used to the fact that everyone can just look up anything on the internet, right? You can find out the answer to any question that you have, just Google it, right? And so we just have been become reactive and just kind of like when we need it, then we'll Google it. But the problem is a lot of the younger generation doesn't know what to Google, all right? They don't know the right questions to ask. This is why intentional teaching is so valuable. And this is what Solomon is doing for his son here. And he has one specific sin in mind that he is really focused on and he's gonna focus on it the rest of this chapter and this is what we're gonna discuss for today. So it says this, um, verse 20, actually, let's read verse 23. For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light and correction and instruction are the way to life. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife from the smooth talk of a wayward woman. All right, so this is why he's talking about all this good advice, all this instruction. He's like, this good advice will keep you from a wayward woman. Now, I want to be fair to both sexes here, all right? Let's that's just, that's just broaden this. Let's just be perfectly honest. There are just as many wayward men as there are wayward women, all right? And he, while he's talking specifically to his sons, he could very easily be talking to his daughters. And he's talking about those men and those women who are looking to destroy your marriage, who are looking to have an adulterous relationship and that they're being seductive. And he's like, I'm I'm, I'm trying to prevent you from going down that path. And he says this in verse 25. Do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread but another man's wife preys on your very life. Now, I know a few of you in the room are getting distracted right now by the fact that you could have a prostitute for a loaf of bread, all right? Don't get sidetracked here. That's not the point, all right? And yes, it is weird. Um, Now, bread was much more valuable back then, but it's still, that's very inexpensive. We're talking about modern times, like $20, $50 here. And so, like, but yeah, again, Solomon is not making the point of, he's not pro-prostitution, all right? He's not condoning that action. But what he is saying is between the two, between going out and doing that or going out and having an affair with a married woman, all right, between the two, one is way worse than the other, all right? And And he points out, one will cost you a little bit of money. The other one could cost you your life. Quite literally, physically, it could end your life. You, you sleep with the wrong person in that way. But there's also more than that going on here. It's not just a physical death, there's also a spiritual death implied here, I believe. And he is saying, it, it, it costs you more, and you're like, well, why does that sin cost more than other sins? Um, Think about the 10 Commandments. Have you ever thought about the fact that there's only one sexual sin among the 10? The 10 Commandments is supposed to capture the very heart of God. It's supposed to reveal his character. He cared about a lot of things, which is why he put a lot of things in the law, but the 10 Commandments is that universal law that extends over time. It, it, it transcends all cultures in all periods of time. And he says that these are near and dear to my heart. And of all the sexual sins that he could mention, and Let's just be honest, there's a lot of ones that we would consider worse in our mind, all right? He, he only focuses on adultery. And if you look at the whole of Scripture, you only see particular sexual sins mentioned you know, a handful of times. But adultery is talked throughout Scripture. Why? Why does he belabor that particular sin? Because our God is faithful. That is who he is, forever faithful. And he designed marriage to work So that when two people became one, they were solely devoted to one another. It's supposed to be a model of the relationship that he wants with us where there are no other gods. We are singularly devoted to him. And so because of this, to separate what he has brought together, it causes serious problems with our our hearts, our minds, our spirits, all these things. And he's like, don't go down that path. It is dangerous. All right, Let's keep reading. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So here's where we get the title of the message, Playing With Fire. He's like, can you scoop a flame and hold it to your chest and not get burnt? Can you walk over hot coals and not get scorched? No, why would you play with fire in this way? But, but we do it. We do it all the time, right? Probably the most egregious example of literally playing with fire that I have ever encountered is when a friend of mine decided that he would teach himself how to breathe fire. And um, so one, one night, he came knocking at my door. He lived right up the street from me. And I opened the door. He's like, you want to see something cool? I'm like, Sure. All right. And so we go out into my, my driveway and he has a bottle of grain alcohol and he has a blowtorch. And so he, he like he swigs it and, and right into the blowtorch and it creates this flame of fire, like just like you see at the circus. And I was like, OK, that was pretty cool. And I was like, but I, I have to say, um, this seems like a really bad idea. Aren't you worried that you're going to get burnt? He's like, no, no, I've been playing with it. I've perfected it. I've already got it down pat. It's not that big a deal. You just take a swig, you blow blow it into the flame, and it just goes out. It's cool. I was like, all right, but just for the record, I'm gonna say I think this is a bad idea. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say it was the very next night. And apparently, he was practicing his newfound skill in his backyard. And as he was doing so, uh, a little bit of the grain alcohol was trickling down his throat each time. And so that's like 190 proof, people, all right? It doesn't take a whole lot to get you a little tipsy, right? And so he started getting sloppier and sloppier with his sprays. Instead of like really blowing it out, it was more like you know, kinda like that. So it was dribbling down his face, all right? And he didn't realize how bad it was getting until one time, like, he really dribbled it up like that, and it just, it it caught the flame, and then immediately the flame came back and lit his face on fire. Before you get too worried, all right, luckily, it was burning off the surface of the alcohol, so it was, like, burning out, so his face wasn't getting too badly burnt. The bad news is, out of instinct, he started putting it out with his hands. So he was like, boom, 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 boom. And so I get this knock at my door, and I open it up, and my friend has this really red, shiny face with no eyebrows. And he has these hands like this that are all bubbled up, and he's like, help me. And I'm like, what did you do? I already knew what he did, though. And so um, I tried really hard not to say I told you so the entire time I helped wrap him. I was like, go to the emergency room. Can't afford it. I was like, Okay. And just so you know, I've also done many of the stupid things with fire. So I'll throw myself on the bus. Uh, if my parents were here, they could attest to this. Um, when I, I, I had this fascination with fire growing up and uh, I always had lighters and even though I didn't smoke or anything. Um, and so I like, I like to see things burn. I don't know what it was. I, don't, uh, I think a lot of kids have this way. And so um, one day... Shortly after my dad put in new carpet, and he was so proud of this carpet because it was supposed to be indestructible. It was like super stain resistant and super durable, but I decided it would be a good idea to take a tissue and just light the corner on fire. I had every intention of blowing it out right away, but I just kinda wanted to see it flame up for a little bit. But when I tried to blow it out, it started like flaming faster and going up faster. So I did what any older brother would do in this situation. I pawned it off on my younger brother and let him hold it, and he panicked and dropped it right on the carpet. And let me tell you, that thing was not fire-resistant. It burnt like a black patch. It just kinda melted it right there, and we had that for like the next 20 years, and my dad was really, really not happy about it, all right? But we do, we do stupid things all the time with fire, but literally we do stupid things all the time in this area of flirting with adultery, flirting with sexual sin. And today it's easier to do than it's ever been in the history of mankind. There are apps made for it. And even the regular apps of social media foster it in every which way that you can think of. And so how many times have you heard a person not not completely satisfied in their marriage and they're, they're like, oh, Old boyfriend, old girlfriend. Well, I'll just send a friend request just, just so I can see what they're, what they're doing now these days. And so friend request accepted. And then it's like, oh, he said hi or she said hi. Well, I'll say hi back and just see how they're doing. And then there's a relationship that, that gets formed. And then, oh wait, they're in town and they wanna grab lunch it's just lunch, we're just gonna talk real briefly, they don't even live around this area, they'll go away, and an emotional affair becomes a physical affair, happens all the time. Or then there's pornography, which is almost universal for every culture around the world now and a large percentage of both men and women. And the thinking is, it's a victimless crime, all right? I'm just watching, I'm not doing anything. No one else is being harmed by it, but you are. You are harming your, and and it is is a gateway drug. And I mean that in the truest sense of the word. Literally, when you are looking at pornography, things are happening in your brain that you don't realize. Endorphins are being released, serotonin and oxytocin and, and dopamine, and it's literally bonding you, things that were meant to bond you with your spouse are bonding you to these images. And you start getting desensitized to them, so you just have to look at more and more and darker and darker. And you start going down a path where, okay, well, then you start interacting with someone on a webcam and then you're starting doing some chatting, some sexual chatting, and then it goes from there to where you're actually using some of these websites to meet up with people. It's a dark path that leads to destruction or maybe the fire that you're playing with is in the work environment, or at the gym, and you're just saying hi, sure, you're going out of your way to say hi, but you're just saying hi, and then when that person starts talking back to you, and you're like, you're just trying to be friendly, you're just having a friendly conversation, and then you start sharing details, going out of your way to share details about your life and what's going on with you and what you're thinking about, And then when you're having problems at home, you start confiding in the person. It is so nice to have someone listen to you. It's so nice to have someone understand what you're going through and empathize with you until, again, you build that emotional affair that then leads to a physical affair. And what Solomon is saying is, don't think that you can hold a flame to your chest and not get burnt. You're going to get burnt, Don't even go down that path because this is where it leads. He goes on. Verse 29. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his hunger when he is starving. Yet if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold, though it costs him all the wealth of his house. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. For jealousy arouses a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. He will not accept any compensation, he will refuse a bribe, however great it is. Again, he points out, leads to death leads to shame, leads to beatings. And I know many of you know my story. And so I can tell you that I can relate to this passage. I've felt these feelings before. For those of you who don't know, my first marriage ended in divorce. And it was because my wife uh, fell for a good friend of mine. And they had a, a lengthy affair behind my back before I found out. Now, what I have rarely shared is um, the moment that I actually knew for sure there was a fair. There were some warning signs. I was completely naive and blind to it for months after months after months, but eventually I started opening my eyes and I started seeing some of the warning signs and I was starting to get very suspicious But the night that I actually found out, I was at a volleyball tournament. I used to play two-on-two sand volleyball very competitively. I I would go around and play cash tournaments all over the southeast. Well, we had a tournament in town here that was a, a big deal, and I had signed up for it. And my wife had started doing this thing, my wife at the time had started doing this thing where as soon as I committed to a volleyball tournament, the last second, she was like, hey, I'm gonna go visit my parents for the weekend which was code uh, for I'm gonna go away for the weekend with my lover, all right? And I just didn't realize it at the time. And so um, I'm, I'm playing this volleyball tournament and I started, sh- I started just, I don't know, something that I was being stressed out. I really couldn't stop thinking about this, this fear I had that she was cheating. And so I, st- I shared it with some volleyball people and they all were exchanging glances. And um, finally, one of them just stepped up and was like, yeah, like we all know. Like they are, they are having an affair. Um, they're actually out of town right now together we, we've seen them together and i I can't even relay just where my mental state was at time. like I was like emotionally unhinged. I was just I had just lost, I, I couldn't play. I had to leave the tournament. I like raced home. I wanted to find them. I searched the computer to hope I could track them down. On the computer, I saw that it, my wife had recently looked up uh, Table Rock and so and, and had done a, a lot of that. So I was like, I was convinced that she they were in Table Rock. And so I was like, I don't have a gun, I don't own any of that, what do I have? I looked around, the only weapon I had was like this souvenir machete that my friend brought back from Nicaragua. So I threw the machete in the car and a baseball bat, I went to hop into the car and lo and behold, two of my friends, my best friend and his buddy showed up and was like, hey, what you doing? And I was like, I, I'm gonna kill them, I'm gonna go find them, I'm gonna kill them. And they're like, hey, we'll come with you, we'll get them, which really was just them, their way of making sure I didn't do anything stupid. But we all piled in the car, drove up to Table Rock, I looked at every single car in the parking lot. Thank God they weren't there. They decided to go at the last second somewhere south. And I'm sure God would have protected me either way, because God has been so good to me. And it was not a godly reaction, that was a man-made reaction but that was a natural reaction. There's a reason why this is in Proverbs. Literally, the idea of wanting to kill the person that your spouse is is cheating with is proverbial, all right? It's so common to mankind that it's the wisdom of the ages. You see it all the time. Have you ever watched a true crime show? My wife and I love those things. We've watched almost all of them. And I'm here to tell you, like every other episode, it involves some kind of an affair. Somebody trying to kill someone over an affair. Half the time, it's because of an enraged, jealous lover. The other half of the time, which is even more messed up, is that the adulterous person doesn't want to pay, like split up half their income or wants like an insurance policy. So they kill their spouse so they can be with their new lover this path leads to death. And it's not just you have to worry about actually getting murdered, all right? It also causes all kinds of damage to you physically and spiritually in other ways. People that deal with an affair start deal with heavy, heavy stress. They start losing their hair. They start getting ulcers. They become paranoid and suspicious, which is ironic, because they're the ones that should be Uh, be, people should be suspicious of. By its very nature, you have to go down a path of deceit. You have to constantly lie all the time. And that lying hardens your heart, changes who you are. People will commonly, the common refrain people have is, man, they just seem like a totally different person. Because they are. Because they've been warped and changed and hardened by sin. And, so, and there's also this emotional turmoil that's going inside, because they've always seen themselves as a good person, but now they're having a hard time seeing themselves that way. And so all the time, they are living in fear of being found out, and with, they're on this like emotional roller coaster where they're on this high when they're with their lover, and when they're not, they've they got this deep, dark depression and that eats away at them. And then, and how? How can you have a good spiritual life? You try reading the Bible, but every time, what you're doing comes to mind. So you stop reading the Bible, and you pray, but you can't ask God, you can't ask God to speak to you or work with you. But you have to just kinda keep on very ritualistic prayers, because if you spend too much time with God, you know the Holy Spirit's gonna be convicting you of that sin. So your prayer life goes down the tubes, And then you don't wanna go to church. You go to church and you see all these people, you feel like a fraud and you're worried about what's gonna happen or the message that's gonna come and come and convict you and so you don't wanna even go to church anymore. And you go and you just harden your heart towards your family and your spouse and ultimately to God more and more so. It is not worth it. And for those of you in here that have already experienced this and and, and have an affair in the past and have repented of this, this message is not for you. Please hear this, okay? Shame does not belong on a child of God. If you have sinned and repented, then that that sin is as far as the east is from the west, removed from God's thoughts, all right? He's not worried about that one bit. He loves using broken people. He loves using, we're all sinners. We have all done foolish things. The Bible is full of people that have committed adultery and that God has used. Look at Abraham, the father of the faith. He committed adultery. Everyone knows about King David. He committed adultery. And God used them before and after. I think about the woman at the well. We don't know exactly why she had five husbands, but five husbands was scandalous back then. And she was currently living with someone that wasn't her husband. And Jesus showed up in that town and said, this is the best person for me to use to evangelize this town. And he arranged a divided counter with her. And then you have Paul, who went around and got Christians killed. And God says, I'm gonna take this murderer and I'm gonna use him for my glory. And I, I take my story. I had never even heard of a divorced pastor before I became one. I didn't think it was in the cards. But God does things that we don't expect. He loves to use people that we would never expect. And so if you're feeling guilt and shame over past sins that's already repented from, that's the enemy, that's not God step into the purpose that he has in your life and be used by him. And to be perfectly honest, this isn't a message that was intended for people that are currently in the midst of an affair. Although I do feel compelled to tell you that it's gonna get worse before it gets better. There are really only two options. You can continue to try to hide it for as long as possible and ride it out to the very end until it finally blows up in your face. But that path just leads to a hardening of the heart to such an extent that I've seen people walk away from the faith altogether just to protect their heart. And eventually, it's gonna come out one way or the other. It's not worth it. The other option is to confess it and repent. And immediately, like the prodigal son, and the father that ran towards them, immediately you get forgiveness from the heavenly father. You start setting yourself down a path of restoration and hope. But I'm not gonna lie, for your, with your spouse and your family and your friends, you have a tough road ahead of you. But I'm telling you, if you confess it on the front end, you get a huge head start in building trust. Because if you're caught There will always be a doubt. Your spouse will always have a doubt. Are they doing the right thing because they got caught or because they really wanna do the right thing? But if you actually allow the Holy Spirit to convict you and repent and confess your sin without being caught, big head start for trust. So I wanna challenge you. Get right. The only way that you'll experience peace and joy again is to get right. But no, this message was intended for all of us, me included, who foolishly keep playing with fire. It's like we pick up a hot coal, and we're like, look at this, look at this. As long as I don't allow it to stay in my skin for too long, then I don't get burned. But eventually, we're gonna drop that, and we're gonna set ourselves on fire. Put down the hot coal. Take Paul's advice. In 1 Corinthians 6.10, he says, flee sexual temptation. Run from it, because there is no other sin that harms your body like sin. There is no other sin that damages us like sexual sin. And you may be thinking, why sexual sin? Why is that a bigger deal? It's because God designed us to become one with our spouse, body, mind, and soul, Body, mind, and spirit join together. And so when we slip outside of that relationship and join ourselves to another, we are creating a schism. We are basically becoming relational and spiritual schizophrenics. Our devotion is no longer to that spouse and our minds and our bodies and our spirits were not made to do that. And so it is fracturing, it is damaging, it is destroying and so I am begging us, begging you and begging myself that we do not go down this path. So if you are toying with looking at things that you shouldn't look, don't just stop literally run in the opposite direction. If you have to take the internet off your phone, do it. Whatever you need to have safeguards in place, do it. If there is someone that you are toying with in the workplace environment or just toying with having some kind of attraction attraction to that's inappropriate, don't just stop talking to them. Build a wall that is unscalable. Cut off all communication. I'm, I'm, I'm here to warn you, it is not worth it. And God wants so much more for us. When we do things his way, when we follow his teachings, we protect ourselves protect our families and protect our relationship with god and he has much better for us let's close with a word of prayer lord thank you so much for giving us godly advice on the front end you detail exactly what will happen if we follow you and exactly what will happen if we refuse to obey your advice i pray that we will be a church that has open minds and open ears and open hearts so that we will listen to your wisely, godly counsel. And for those of us that are playing with fire, I pray, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit will convict us and convince us to run in the opposite direction, to be faithful as you are faithful, to be holy as you are holy, to be loving to the people around us rather than cause them pain. Lord, I pray that you protect our hearts, protect our minds, and protect this church body from the attacks of the enemy and help us to walk in faithfulness. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, as always, a prayer team will be down here if you need prayer for anything. Church, we love you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at... TheRenovation.Church renovation.church